to the Georgia Tech Catholic Center podcast. I'm Father Branson Hip. I'm the chaplain here. I'm Bucky O'Malley. I'm a focus missionary working at the Georgia Tech Catholic Center. I'm Hannah McQueen. I'm also another focus missionary here at Georgia Tech. This is Father John Klein, assistant chaplain here at the Catholic Center. So the big question today is, what is Advent? Why does the church have it, Father Branson? What what are we looking at with that? Yeah, I wanted to like not taking for granted. Uh, this season, especially in, you know, like uh, with due respect to everybody else, but there is a sense of we kind of people just jump into Christmas, you know, um, understandably so. It's such a beautiful time. But yeah, to like ask this question, like why, why has the church had Advent? Like, why is it so essential? And I want to start just at the level of human experience of yeah, the fact that like we expect things that we are like filled with desire Um, that we actually live with a sense of expectancy. You know, that experience of, at least for me when you're a kid, uh, of like any time the mail arrived, even if you know you're not going to get anything, the sense of like looking at the mail being like, is there something there that's for me, right? Or like even now sometimes the phone like vibrating, you're getting a text, you're wondering like, who's it from? Like, like, there's this, we live with this sense of like expectancy of something, right? Cesare Pavese said once, like actually in front of achieving this very prestigious award and experiencing almost like a disappointment afterwards, he says, who has promised me something, then why do I expect things? That there is something in the human heart that we actually like expect something, that we are like filled with yearning. We would even say that like the human heart is filled with promise. Uh, And so like one natural level of this experience of yearning and a yearning for something like which we would say is God but that seems so unfulfilled today in like the modern world and this fascinating thing of like yearning when it meets an object when it has an object that it desires becomes expectation and that expectation becomes a preparation if I know my friend is coming and I'm so excited for my friend to come there is this lightness to being where it's like, I can't wait to see their face, right? And preparing the house, like you do things, like whenever I would go home, my mom would always put a mint under the pillow. Uh, Like there's little things like this, like living with a sense of expectancy that becomes a preparation. I wanna say more about this, but you, like Hannah, had a very specific experience that you were talking about, even that like colored your experience last Advent. Yeah, so last Advent, I really, had the gift of getting to enter into exactly what father's talking about with regards to preparation um because one of my sisters was expecting our um family's first first grandchild our uh, my first niece and they for rightly so i came to understand the term expecting in this whole new way and it was just beautiful that um she was due at the end of january so not aligning specifically with christmas but entering into this period of longing um, alongside the liturgical season of Advent. And exactly to Father's point of when someone's coming, when something's happening, there are practical things we do to prepare. And um, obviously I was was not the one expecting, so there weren't as many practical things for me to do. Um, And so really that was this invitation for me to just enter into this disposition of longing, of waiting, of expecting, because there was really not much for me as the aunt to do, um, but to wait in anticipation um, and joy to be able to receive the gift of this child 
when she was born. Um, and I remember about this time last year, just kind of going crazy. And, and my friends were making fun of me because I was just, all I could say was, ah, like, I just, I want to meet them. We didn't know if, if she would be a boy or a girl. And I just want to know what she looks like. And I just want to, I just want to hold her. And um, I didn't say her, but, um, and they would kind of make fun of me, but I, there was nothing else I could do except sit in that, in that ache, in that longing for this person that I didn't know yet, but knew that I already loved in some ways. Um, and it, it was really just this mysterious thing um, that thankfully I had heard a few reflections on the Holy Family awaiting Christ's arrival and what that must have been like for them. Um, and it was just opened this window to understanding what that what must have been like in Nazareth and, and Bethlehem um, that I'd, I'd never been able to enter into in the same way um, and, and really brought brought some flesh to, wow, this is actually how I'm called to wait upon the arrival of Christ as well. Yeah, because there's, uh, there's a sense of, especially when someone's like expecting a child, right? It actually changes, like their arrival changes the way you look at things. Like you have to like baby proof the house. You know, like there's all of the, like it changes actually like the arrival of someone changes how you look at things. And so now we're like being inserted into the history of the Jewish people who are meant to live this longing of every single human heart, desiring to be saved, desiring to meet like fulfillment. And so the, the Jewish people that live this specific relationship with God, as as time goes on, there is this sense of like there is a Messiah who is coming. Someone is going to come to like right the ship and even write like the human heart. Like there's something like what what is like my capacity to betray that I don't love well, what, whatever, right? Like there, is, there becomes this like longing through history for someone to save everything. Like the Jewish people awaiting the Messiah. And this filled with a very real sense of longing. And as you read Isaiah and Ezekiel in particular, there is a sense of them being like rejoice because someone is coming, right? And to like live with expectancy for that one to arrive. And I think that this in some way clarifies how important Advent is as a season of one, understanding that the yearning of my own heart and how quickly we betray it and deny it and pretend that that yearning doesn't exist. But the yearning is actually good and it actually it meets its fulfillment in the person of Christ. So this line from the Catechism, uh, it's paragraph uh, 524. When the church celebrates the liturgy of Advent each year, she makes present this ancient expectancy of the Messiah. For by sharing in the long preparation for the Savior's first coming, the faithful renew their ardent desire for the second coming. By celebrating the precursor as in John the Baptist's birth and martyrdom, the church unites herself to his desire. He must increase, but I must decrease. So Advent is like essential for Christmas in the sense of actually understanding Christmas itself. And I don't, if I don't live the yearning, if I don't live this expectancy, I'm betraying the history of, I would say in some way, humanity and of the own heart and this like very human need to desire and to prepare. Yeah, I think what I love about this is um, that yes, there's this yearning and it's ultimately for something good that there's something good like we don't when we open that letter or when um, you're waiting for something we, we expect good things you buy the lottery ticket thinking 
I'm gonna win, right? You don't. How many buy. lottery tickets do you buy? <laughs> so I drive down 85 every day. It was like a couple times. It was like 999 million dollars was like the Powerball, or whatever. So I think about, you know, what if? <laughs> Is it legitimate to use those funds for church things? Um, no, but this, I would say, it goes to the theological virtue of hope, which is deep down, God has has when when He created us, He created us good, and there's this yearning or longing for the fulfillment of the goodness that was seated in us at our, our creation and it's this this uh the virtue of hope that god who has put this yearning in me he has promised a fulfillment to that and i can trust in his promises that he really is good that he will deliver on his promises and that what he delivers on will fulfill that and it will um be something good it will it will overwhelm this image of, I love the image of that Pope Benedict writes about in Space Salvi, his encyclical on hope, which he goes into the stars and uh, how the three wise men walk, are walking, and it's through the stars that they, um, the beauty of the stars that have always kind of symbolized like a greater plan or the human, the longings of the human heart that have always looked for meaning in the stars. And ultimately they point to a savior who is born, they point to a person, they point to the fulfillment, God's personal fulfillment of his promise, which ultimately is his son. Yeah, and so like, there's the need to make it a journey, right? And so that's what Advent is, the journey, right? And it's threefold, like the church is very clear of this kind of, really a twofold coming, but it, it, it's three in a way of, in Advent, we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We look to the end of time when Jesus comes in glory, but also we recognize this dynamic of needing to make a journey and to prepare to meet him, particularly now through the Eucharist and through like the Christian people that I bump up against Christ in a real way um, through the people that I encounter. And he has come to save me and he has come to like feed me. Um, and even like I was just mentioning like how moved I am by this image of uh, Christ in the manger, which is a feeding trough. Like we don't call it a manger is such a pretty word, but like it's a feeding trough, right? And that's where Christ is placed. And this thing of like the rulers of the time fed upon their people. They profited from the people. And here is Christ the Messiah lying in a feeding trough in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And he's come to like feed. Instead of like feeding upon his people, he's come to feed his people. And I just find that, like, so moving and beautiful, right? Like, he has come, like, there is one who's come to, like, meet the yearning of my heart. Um, But we have to make a journey to do that. And I know you wanted to say a word about, like, this, like, making a journey. Yeah, I thought it was really fascinating if you think about what would Advent have been like for our Blessed Mother, for St. Joseph? What would Advent have been like for the, the, the three wise men? Um or for the shepherds. So it's interesting, you think like, well, for Mary, there's a lot of uncertainty. She's in this pregnancy that not everyone in her town understands. Um, So she's kind of carrying a lot of, it could be very anxious, not knowing they're they're journeying to Bethlehem. The Roman Empire has called for the census. Her and Joseph are are leaving. They don't have much money, they're poor. And um, they don't really know where they're gonna sleep they don't know when the baby is going to come. Um, the wise men have, are leaving home. They're, they're spending lots of money and time journeying hundreds of miles after 
what they they think is going to lead them somewhere. So this journey, in a journey, there's a lot of uncertainty. There can be fears. There can be doubts. You can get a little discouraged along the way. And so when we look at the the key players in the Christmas story, I think uh, we shouldn't be afraid if our Advent isn't filled with like peace and joy and consolation. And there's a little bit of like uncertainty or um, uh, or there's some fear or there's uh, some some rocks or some darkness along the way because in every one of the characters they had to exercise the virtue of hope trust perseverance and ultimately in each one of those stories it ends in a beautiful way they get to see the face of the living god they get to discover that god was up to something and it was something so tremendously good that it it filled the deepest longings of their heart and um even their story it, it was such an amazing story that we still tell it today. Yeah, and I think that that's helpful in the sense of so how, how many people I hear that say, like, I hate the holidays, right? Mm-hmm. Or, like, if you lost a family member or if, like, there's really, like, a lot of complications in the family or stuff like that. People really, I, I've heard so many people, like, reveal the complexities that the holidays have. And so I think Advent actually can be very healing in this sense of, yeah, it's okay that it's anxious and that it's difficult, what that reveals is actually like the need to make a journey and like that I'm actually like yearning for like wholeness and I'm actually yearning for a Messiah, that there are people, like the human heart yearns for Christ today. The problem of Christ isn't just a problem of 2000 years ago. Like there are people that are without even having the language for it, yearning for a, a human face to like come and meet them and to save them and to love them and to like change the human heart and to like make things right and for us to be like united you like in the same way that like i yearn for fulfillment in god that i know i'm not going to have yet um and it's easy to look at you know the reality in that catechism paragraph that we read earlier 524 where it says that in preparing for the savior's first coming we renew our ardent desire for his second coming I can hear words like final judgment, end of times, and I can have this sense of fear. Um, a lot of the same emotions that Father John shared of like uneasiness, uh, insecurity of like what happens in that time. And I think that points me more deeply towards the reality of like, yeah, I, I need to prepare. Something isn't complete in my preparation. Maybe it will never be complete, but the fact that there is an uncertainty shows me that I need to look at it more as the journey of how do I get to where I need to be for these events to unfold um, and for there not to be the fear, hopefully. Um, And each year that passes where there maybe is that fear, uh, when I link it to that second coming uh, that I can enter into waiting for, um, where does that point me for the upcoming year ahead? So I want to just offer a couple general suggestions. and then we're gonna offer like a practical proposal for like us here at the Georgia Tech Catholic Center to prepare for Advent. The first thing is uh, like a fidelity to actually desire, to yearning, which can be a like a painful experience, right? Because um, there's always this question of what Father John was saying of will this actually be fulfilled? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was reading Father Jose Medina talking about the question God poses to Abraham is do you trust me? And the question that Abraham is posing to God is, do you love me? Right? Like, that's almost like the history of it is this, like, back and forth. Do you trust me? And then us asking, like, do you love me? Are you good? Right? But a fidelity to 
yearning, like, like actually living my desire. Like so much of like even our sin when it comes to noise and distraction, I think especially with like our, with our phones is like a pushing down of desire Mm -hmm. in some way. And so being faithful to my desire by not choosing cheap things, which I, I would say is like a part of it is silence, like making space for real silence, which reveals sometimes the heart, the heart's crying out for someone. Mm-hmm. But we can be faithful to that desire because we know there's someone who responds. Um, next thing is, and I'll leave this one to you, Father John, but like the importance of music actually during the liturgical season. Yeah, I definitely think that we come from a, in our world, there's so much going on and sometimes it can be really hard to just like focus your mind and slow down and, um, you know, experience the, uh, the peace or the joy or the longing that's like deeper than those like noisy surface level emotions. And I feel like music is such a powerful, when the right playlist can really open your heart up and help you tap into the desire, the the beauty, the peace, the joy of um, of what we're trying to experience and we're trying to lean into this Advent. So I'd encourage you to find um, songs like, there's a lot of great, I was listening to a, a playlist by the Catholic Music Initiative um, and it was just like hymns. They were beautiful choral choral arrangements of maybe hymns we hear in church um, from Be Thou My Vision to the doxology and uh, just how much that lifted my heart and just like helped me get to a deeper level of prayer. So anything from Advent music, um, I'd encourage you to ask your friends or share good songs that you've uh, found. But music is such a beautiful way to go deeper than the the tension that's on the surface to the desires of our heart and to channel those or to focus those on the Lord as we wait in expectation. Yeah. Like even I, there, I love, there's certain songs that reawaken that my heart is promised or filled with desire. I know I bring it up a lot, but the song, the stranger by Lord Hiram, where he says, if you are who you say you are, show me your face, you know, this like reveal yourself. Who are you? Um, yeah, the, the next one is, I don't know if you want to say a word about this, but uh, like the importance of like reading the Old Testament in the sense of like, or following the readings during Advent. But that can be like following the daily readings can be super helpful, especially in our longing being inserted into uh, the longing of the Jewish people, which we belong to this history. Mm. Yeah, I think it just helps you to enter into this question as we're talking a lot about yearning and desire and this ache. Um First of all, are we even letting ourselves sit in that? I think we've touched on that enough, but um, are we asking ourselves the question what it is we're actually aching for? Um, And I know we were kind of chatting about it, but um, kind of just the irony that the holiday season does, to Father Branson's point of people saying they hate the holidays, um, and, and I think there's family dynamic there, but also just the busyness that has become um, the, the holiday quote-unquote season, the shopping and the events and even to some extent the music has this potential to be beautiful but how many times have we heard rocking around the Christmas tree and one another? I don't know if that's a song filled with yearning. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. That's my point. It's not filled with yearning. And But we're just, well, it's, Christ- it's Christmas time. It's after Thanksgiving so we're going to 
put on the the radio's playlist and just fill with noise of oh because this is the time to do this um and it doesn't give us this space to to sit with okay what is the bigger story what is what is the point of all this what is the purpose of this and why why does rocking around the christmas tree not fulfill my heart um (laughs) and why does that not awaken anything come talk to me if that awakens something in your soul but um (laughs) (laughs) the question was about reading the scripture (laughs) (laughs) but the point is reading the scriptures allows us to enter into to the bigger story and not um in addition to the music to father john's point but um asks the question what are we aching for um and and there's a real answer there in showing us what has been laid out before and what it is that we're we're looking forward to in in the coming of Christ now and in the future. And in the sense with your sister, it's like there's nothing to look forward to. She doesn't announce, like, I'm pregnant. Like, in the way it touched your heart last year, like, if you don't get told, I'm pregnant, we're due around this time, you just sit there and expect nothing to change. Or, mm-hmm. like, if, if you don't, you know, trust, if, if she's not telling you, you know, how great it's going to be for you to be an aunt or like the ways that you'll be able to impact this little girl's life. Like there's nothing in it for you. There's no reason to look forward to anything. And so if we don't understand like, yeah, why is it important that I look forward to Christ? Like, I think we're so used to hearing these promises and maybe like in a diluted way or in reference that we don't actually know what they are. And so there's not much of a reason for us to look forward to something if we don't fully understand it or fully know it in the first place um like i was one of those people that was making fun of you last year <laughs> and not because i didn't think it was beautiful that you were going to have a niece but because like i didn't have any promise to look forward to in it there's nothing there for me but because you had a promise to look forward to and you understood it you could look forward to it with anticipation and joy whereas for me it was just a meaningless not meaningless <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful little girl she's adorable but there's it's a it's something that has no connection to my life um, and so making it a part of your life because, yeah, in the, the scriptures, like reading out the promises of the prophets and uh, what there is to look forward to, like like Father Branson said, like we are a part of like the history of this people. And so we enter into that same promise today um, and enter into the promises that continue to be made in the second coming that we look forward to now. Yeah. And so like to, yeah, to read the scriptures of like the, the time of Advent with like attentiveness, but, like being faithful to our desire. Next thing is, I think, genuine repentance. And by repentance, I mean, like, acknowledging dead ends, the ways that we actually betray our desire or that we've betrayed our desire in the sense of, like, false idols, like worshiping the things that don't fulfill the heart and acknowledging that and turning away from it. And this especially including confession. Like, the church particularly encourages confession during Advent and during Lent. And so that uh, last thing was it would be, like, doing some sort of charitable work. Uh, If Christ... who like comes to feed us with himself we're actually like invited to do the same to live life as gift again like the gift of the savior and so in that like living uh yeah like living of giving of ourselves especially when things are so busy and we can be so consumptive uh like preparing by like preparing my heart for he who is love himself by loving yeah in the uh so about two weeks ago, the Catholic Center hosted a vocations event, um, and the mass um, homily was actually the first time that it clicked in my mind of like hearing this 
what in my mind was a tired expression of like see Christ in the poor, uh, which had always up until that point meant like, okay, they have nothing, treat them with the utmost love and respect and, and help them in the same way you would help Christ uh, to like get them out of the situation that they're in. Um, and it wasn't until uh, hearing that homily where I, the priest was sharing that it's actually more of a sense of seeing these people who um, when entered into um, like in the fullness that God offers it um, in your poverty having nothing and having to depend on God for everything um, is a way that we can look into it not only recognize our own poverty but also see God in uh, someone who looks to God for everything like see Christ who accepts everything from God and looks to the Father for everything, we can see that in those who are experiencing poverty. Um, and as I was praying with uh, some notes for this podcast, I, it made me realize how many times that you know I had such an aversion to doing charitable work around the holiday because it seemed so empty. It seemed like a invitation to just go and alleviate the material lack in somebody's life. Um, almost out of a sense of pity of, yeah, I'll have this great dinner tonight. I will have presents and time with my family and you don't have these things. And so out of pity, I'm going to do something to change that for you. Where now reading in context of uh, everything that we would do to pray for Advent, it was more of a realization of, yeah, the reason I would help the poor is because I see God, I see Christ in you. And this is a time where I prepare for my service of you in your second coming. And so if I actually see Christ in you, uh, not only can I recognize my own poverty in uh, like helping you and, and walking side by side with you, but I can also look to you and realize, yeah, I'm actually serving God. I'm serving Christ by serving you because my, like the stirring in my heart to do this work of charity is not my own. It's God stirring it in me. And so God sending me in my reception of that coming to you and helping you is actually God fulfilling what you've been waiting for in being helped and being served. Um, and your anticipation has been rewarded. And so I can learn more about that through you, but also serve you in the way that you deserve to be served and love you in the way that you deserve to be loved. There's this beautiful uh, Christmas poem by G.K. Chesterton. The last part, he says, Hunger is hard and times are tough, but bless the beggars and kiss the kings. For hope has broken the heart of all things, and nothing was ever praised enough. Yeah, like, yeah. Father John, do you want to uh, offer uh, just very, like, very briefly, like, the kind of practical proposal that we're asking of the whole community? Yes, of course. So this Advent, to kind of tie some of these things together and offer you something very practical that you can um, jump into, it is that we're going to make a um, kind of an Advent group me. And there's going to be um, one person from the Catholic Center each day offering a little reflection. And we're going to post that in an audio format into that group me. And um, what it is going to be is we're going to take the liturgy of the day. And that uh, one of the members of the Catholic Center is going to pick one of the readings, read that reading and offer a simple um, a light or reflection on that and a little takeaway. And also maybe a song or a poem or something to kind of complement that idea, and that's a little a little gift uh, per day, a little a little reflection, a little nourishment that you can um, listen to, and then that will help us kind of read the liturgy of the day, kind of read the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament, share our lights, help our hearts to grow in expectation, and uh, to be able to walk together and to share those. Um, 
those lights and inspirations. So if you'd like to be a part of or take one of those days, uh, there's going to be a way you can sign up to do that. So we encourage you to um, be one of those people that takes a day and offers us a little reflection on the liturgy or a little help that helps you to prepare so that as a community, once Christmas comes, we can present to Christ the heart that's hungering, a heart that's longing for him, and a heart that's ready to receive uh, him and all his beauty and goodness. Yeah, because I've always desired that we do something together for Advent and Lent because we're really saved as a people. And we tend, especially as Americans, to live like hyper-individualistically. And so everybody's like, yeah, this is the thing that I'm giving up or this is the thing that I'm doing. And like, that's great, but I, I, I really yearn to do these gestures together. So please consider doing this with us, um, even if like not, because not everybody's going to be able to like contribute a reflection, but to like enter into pray these things with us and to pray together. So we're praying for y'all. We hope that it's a really like beautiful Advent and it's a time of like longing in a positive sense uh, for the one who like, has come to meet man, like is meeting us now, and like will meet us in his glory. Thanks, guys. Does anyone say thanks or anything? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, guys. Maybe a bye. <laughs> say goodbye. Bye, guys. <laughs> bye. Adios. <laughs>